0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness podcast. I'm your host Ant, and you join me today for episode number 128, which is entitled "The Truth Movement Under the Spotlight." So thank you all for tuning in today. First of all, I'd like to ex- extend my best wishes for the for the year ahead, and I hope that twenty twenty three brings you everything that your that your heart desires. So in terms of um, today's particular episode, um, what I want to talk about is something that over the years um, I've noticed in terms of the sort of truth movement or truthers. And that tends to be information that um, we are, we see online and prominent speakers, researchers, writers and obviously um people who, who are sharing their own thoughts, like, my, like, like myself, of course. Um, there does tend to be, with a lot of this information, what I've noticed is there's an aspect whereby it has a um, kind of um, a religious element, because on a basic level, I mean, whoever we are, we need to believe in something, uh, in something, of course, even if we have atheistic beliefs, ironically enough. This is still um, a type of religious impulse. So we need to always be aware of our motivations, triggers program, and programming. Otherwise, we can easily fall into religious type dogmas. And some of it, as I was just saying, some of the content online easily panders to our delusions and distortions. And as we know, <clears throat> as I've spoken about before on this podcast, there are many traps waiting around every corner. So it's helpful to adopt a kind of Sherlock Holmes like approach, forensic like in our investigations are online and because we can easily lose our minds when we feel like when we feel like we're onto something exposing something or or revealing what we perceive to be the truth at least but as we know truth seeking or seeking truth can become a type of religion if we allow ourselves to fall out of balance and into idealistic dogmas and moral imperatives which can also lead to things like um, simplistic, a kind of type of like uh, simplistic worldview. So what I'm going to do, as I was just saying at the beginning, throughout this episode is I'm going to give examples of this type of uh, religious society if you if you like, call it that way. I've heard some call some people call it sort of Abrahamic mindset. Not that I have anything um, against religion. I certainly wouldn't call myself an atheist. Um, More kind of leaning towards paganism slash spirituality, but let's not get head up on definitions. So yeah, I'm going to just look at different examples, some of which you may be aware of, and some of which you won't. So first of all, um, the very common one that speaks to this idea of um, religious religiosity and um, being out of balance is. Uh, exposure videos whereby people put up videos that um, claim are exposing an insider or um, someone who they claim is guilty of um, being part of controlled opposition. Now perhaps the most extreme example I've seen in recent years, I think it was about five or six years ago, there was a guy, I can't remember his name unfortunately, sorry or the name of his channel, but the whole kind of modus operandi, if you like, his channel was to completely discredit someone who I've spoken about before on discerning consciousness, and it's a, a very an excellent filmmaker called Adam Curtis. And back in the day when the BBC still was, when the BBC, sorry, still was a credible organisation in the nineteen nineties, um, he released a documentary called The Century of the Self. Which i believe is available on youtube hopefully still is in spite of all the censorship that's going on so go and check that out and this is basically um about um it's the history of how in the post-war era um politics um became uh, imbued with sort of um public in in terms of propaganda and the ideas behind um marketing so it charts the whole way in which um, politics sh- changed in the post-war era and started adopting a lot of the ideas um, from propaganda. Of course, the father of pro- propaganda I've spoken about before being Edward Bernays. So this chap, who, as I say, unfortunately I can't remember his name, his whole um, YouTube channel was just apparently about exposing this guy Adam Curtis, the filmmaker, who he saw as an, an um, you know, a heretic or an insider. And the reason why this chap, the YouTuber, was claiming this was because he claimed he was controlled opposition because Adam Curtis, and he's done several documentaries, several documentaries, but the best one is The Century of the Self. He claims because he doesn't talk about conspiracies, because he doesn't talk about 9-11 in the kind of way that perhaps you and I would, <laughs> uh, in a more conspiratorial way, um, sort of lens um, and he doesn't talk about Zionism or perhaps Jewish influence within things like the mainstream media etc etc he claims that you know therefore Adam Curtis is some sort of um, shill for example and um, I just it, it just I just thought it was such a shame because the YouTuber guy the production values unlike a lot of these exposure videos were actually really good so he also, he obviously had a, a talent for, for making videos um, so fair play to him he was actually an english guy and um but he was just i mean he was he was obsessed with adam curtis absolutely obsessed with exposing adam curtis and i've seen this sort of mindset um it's been repeated with people who want to expose the likes of Noam Chomsky because again he won't entertain ideas you know so-called conspiracies uh, like 9-11 etc etc you've probably seen there's this footage I believe it's got a lot of views probably millions uh and it's in the states and it's um where Noam Chomsky it's quite a few years ago is is talking um he's given a lecture and this guy asks him you know quizzes him about his view on you know nine eleven whether he believes the official um, storyline or you know the official media version, and you know it's put out there look that as an example that no therefore you know the fact that Noam Chomsky couldn't answer the question, he must be some sort of controlled opposition or or a gatekeeper. Now I'm not saying and it is important that I get this across in this particular episode. I'm not contrarian, of course controlled opposition does exist. And gatekeepers do exist in your in the alternative media but the problem is when we have this kind of religious type or abrahamic mindset of purity and we you know we even got the the sincere insiders and and those who are trying to fool us we can kind of easily we can um kind of lose ourselves and become out of balance and people would claim those that want to expose the likes of Adam Curtis and Noam Chomsky would say well it's because they only give part of the picture but then i would say well the likes of uh, noam chomsky who's done remarkable work over the years as an academic as an academic why would he venture into such conspiracies sorry such foreign slip there such con- controversies as um kind of conspiracy narratives to do with things like 911 and the whole war on terror because perhaps it might discredit his work i mean are we are we um if we follow this mindset does that mean that we should um completely discredit his amazing book called manufacturing consent which is kind of like a treatise on the uses of propaganda to brainwash people and how government and the mainstream media um do that uh, and really i mean if you if you go back and read something like manufacturing consent Forgetting, I think it was published in the mid '90s. It literally is like word for word of how the media have constructed and concocted um, the the COVID the COVID hoax or the COVID psyop. So he was a man ahead of his time. But so is it right that we should discredit the likes of a Noam Chomsky and Adam Curtis because they don't give the whole picture? That's that's a question that, you know, I put out there for you for you guys to for you guys to answer. But this kind of idea, this kind of approach, trying to out people, these types of people who are doing the exposing, they believe that there's only one answer, one truth or one interpretation of events. And as I said at the beginning with my little intro monologue, we need to be careful of falling into kind of simplistic um uh, worldviews and, and really just on a practical level it's unrealistic to think that any individual has, a, has an entire picture or has a handle on what's going on I mean you know researchers writers a- academics they have their own specialism and you know they, they're the likes of Noam Chomsky he would he would be um, one could say that well he has his, his own he's victim of the brainwashing that he probably has within the world of academia which means there's certain he can't ever venture into the world of conspiracy or truther type material because that would discredit his his whole whole career but that doesn't necessarily mean that he he's an insider he's he's a gatekeeper he's controlled opposition he's you know he's working within the confines of his own kind of um his home reality, if 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 you like. And it certainly doesn't mean that, you know, he's necessarily um, on the payroll of the insiders or, or of, of um, the bad guys, so to speak. And this just brings up the next point I want to follow, which is linked to this. And it's something that we need to be careful of. I call it fans versus followers. So it's like if you're a fan of someone online and then you're hanging on their every word and... um I think we can all fall into that trap. It means that as soon as they say something or they share something online, or perhaps you see them speak at a talk or a conference, whatever, you then you know begin to have doubts about their their credibility and the rest of it. Whereas, I mean, I know we shouldn't follow anyone uh, as such, but let's just use um, this particular word. But when you follow someone's work, I, I believe that you have a less of this sort of religious dogmatic uh, aspect. And you're kind of, well, OK, they may be saying things that I don't agree with, but the core of what they're saying it chimes with me. And, you know, you don't you don't want to out them just because they're saying something you disagree with, which will tend to be um, tend to be speak to our own unresolved issues. And I think a lot of these personal vendettas are driven by hatred of specific groups like Freemasons or, or Jews or Zionism. I do, um, and I've researched quite a lot into um, Zionism and Jewish control within things like uh, the media and, and, and Hollywood. So I'm certainly not naive in that regard, but I think there is to some degree a problem of anti-Semitism within the whole kind of truth, uh, um, truth conspiracy type movement. And I think sometimes we do have to... Um, we do have to accept that and take that on the chin. Not that I'm saying that um, Zionism and Judaism and uh, people who claim to be cultural Jews, they do seem to have um, kind of like uh, um, an element of control beyond the sort of, we look at how, um, how many Jewish people there are actually within society, then you look at things like banking and advertising and things like that And control of the media they do seem to be over overrepresented um, Jewish people people who claim to be Jewish but then we need to be careful of that and then not um, make accusations and and such like and also just on a very prosaic level just bringing it back again to the likes of Noam Chomsky and Adam Curtis um, I mean if we were to live their life uh, I think Norm Chomsky, I think he's still alive, I think he's in his 90s now, but if we were to go back in his heyday and live the life of an author, an a- academic, then we would actually understand the demands that such people um, are, 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 are under and realise, you know, it's very easy to shout, you know, your truth at people and say, well, If I was in their position, I wouldn't do that. If I was in their position, I would be honourable and I'd I'd want to address issues that, you know, in this instance, that academia finds difficult. But that's very easy. It's very easy to do that. And I think part of um, the whole uh, exposure video process, if you want to call it that, comes under many different types of names, is driven by jealousy. Perhaps some people... You know, who um, are jealous of people's fame and notoriety, and that's why they want to expose them. And again, as I've said before on my podcast, you know, there is an element of projection where they're projecting their shadow onto the people they want to expose. Because on a very basic level, we need to accept, and this goes back to my idea of, you know, not falling into this religious dogma of simplistic worldview. On a very basic level, people have different opinions and, and they are entitled they are entitled to that. But having said that, you know, we do have to accept that gatekeepers and control opposition. They do actually, they do exist. That's why, dare I say, it, we do need to make sure that we have um, discernment whenever we are um, consuming content online. So I just want to go on to another example of someone who, this is someone who, you may well be aware of it, you may not, but it's an English guy and he does, um, his whole channel is set up to call out, I think this is what it says on the tagline of his uh, YouTube channel, uh, calling out the deceptions of the new age. It's a guy called Tony Sayers and his spell name um, is S-A-Y-E-R-S and again he's, a, he's an English guy, I believe that he's based in Mexico. And he's, he, he produces these videos that are said to to uh, out these new age deceivers, um, kind of leading lights, people like Laurie Ladd, Till Swan, um, Laura Eisenhower, all of which I like, aspects of their work. Um, but the way in which he does it is is so crass and divisive and childish. And actually, um, I find it quite hurtful because I think it does point to his his. His own issues, really, and there's one particular video he did. I um, think he has this beef about veganism. Sorry, pardon the pun there. He has a vegan. He has a beef about veganism, and there was one particular video he did, and it was a woman, um, and I think I'm not sure if it. I think it was the son or daughter, but you could obviously see that this um, this child. I think they're about nine or ten. They were obviously unwell. They were obviously unwell. And he was trying to link it to the veganism, uh, you know, um, I don't want to get into a discussion on the why's and wherefores of veganism right now, that's a discussion for another day. But anyway, he was literally, um, he was literally mocking this lady, you know, and accusing her virtually of child abuse by feeding this child a vegan diet. And it's really, it's really quite a toxic way of going about it. Now, as you know, I've, I have did an episode with with Mike way back when, you know, calling out uh, spiritual bypassing and the deceptions of the new age. But I would never, you know, make this sort of um, into a kind of like a, a cruel um, way in which you're calling people out. And, and it's very personal and, and, and very vindictive. I think what happens if someone does become obsessed like this Tony Sayers guy uh, of being deceived, then then it will probably be an issue that they haven't resolved themselves around shame and humi- humiliation like an internal issue now the other thing um that i find is um with this this there is there is a as i said almost like a cruelty because um someone else that he he almost had a personal vendetta with someone called um magenta pixie um, who again would fall into the kind of new age category She's actually someone that lives locally to me here in the New Forest on the south coast of the U- UK, in Hampshire, if you're familiar with the UK, if you're speaking, um, if you're sorry, listening from the UK at all. Now, I'm not sure when, but during the whole COVID uh, nonsense, there was a period of time that uh, Magenta Pixie, she was actually ill in hospital, I believe it was with COVID, and she was actually extremely ill, you know, near, nearly on nearly on her deathbed, and then Tony Sayers and his followers um were literally um went on to her videos and were mocking Magenta Pixie because um, she was ill with, uh, with, with Covid. Now, this really is quite despicable. And this is what happens when people, they get consumed by this Abrahamic religious mindset and they feel like they're on some sort of vendetta exposing someone. And here was this poor woman, you know, whatever you think of what she shares her her content, do you really want to mock someone who's who's actually seriously ill and that's what you know we really bringing it back to uh the basics here we we need to we need to be careful as I was just saying when we are online that we don't get consumed by this sort of um this religious mindset if you like, so yeah, go and check out his channel and see what you make of it see what you make of it um I just want to also um, pick up on something um, that, or an aspect that people who are very keen to call people out as being controlled opposition, gatekeepers, insiders, on the payroll, whatever, whatever you want to call it, is forgetting that um, sometimes you know people are prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice. So they will play the role of the bad guy. But sort of work within the system if you like to help bring about positive change and if you're suffering from religious absolutism that's something um something that you're not going to be aware of um if you're you know if you're if you're consumed still by sort of the q narrative and believing that the world falls into just the good guys the white hats or you know the bad guys the 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 black hats when you're stuck in religious dogma you can't see the nuance. Now there's a really good um, movie, so spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, again, you might want to fast forward this part, I can't remember the name of it, but it's about this guy who, it starts with, he's um, down on his luck, Um, he's living with his mum and his daughter, and he's evicted, so um, they have to go and move into temporary accommodation, Then he has this big fight with the guy who works for the bank or the real estate company. And he's the one who does the repossessions, if you like, or he owns the company, I should say, that does the repossessions. And um, eventually what happens is to cut a long story short, he, you know, he actually volunteers and he goes and works for this guy. He goes and works for this guy. So he he he, he's, you know, right in the coalface. Um, when people are being evicted from their properties, he's actually he's having to call the police uh, and to get these people removed. And eventually he does. He becomes he's he works to such a high level that he becomes this guy. He actually becomes his confidant or his second in command. And then eventually what happens? He does the dirty on him and he takes him to court. And this guy, the guy who owns the kind of real estate business, he he's actually taken to court and he's prosecuted. Now, this is this is just one example of, you know, on the surface, at least while he was working for his manager, he the guy who owns the real estate company or works through the bank, I'm not quite sure which he would be seen as the bad guy, you know, reposse- taking people's property away from them, reposse- re- repossessing their, their property. But actually, you know, overall, he was he was working for the good because eventually this guy was outed because his properties went against kind of state or federal federal laws and I can't I'm really sorry I can't remember the the name of it Um, but it's another example of you know that we really need to look beyond um, this concept of good and evil again I'm not saying that evil doesn't exist and my god during the covid haven't we seen that so but it's just to be careful that we don't fall into that polarized mindset and this film gives a really a good kind of like hint or nod towards this idea of 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 sacrifice if you like of this guy was you know but for a greater good so on um, on the surface at least he looked like a a bad guy but he actually was um, he was kind of working he he was working for for good overall so i just want to move on now to um, another kind of example of um, the truth movement being under the spotlight in terms of this sort of religious dogmatic way of thinking and this is related to like it's a truth conference or a truth event, uh, convention, I should say, um, that I went in, that I attended a year ago now in January 2022. And that was on the Isle of Wight, which for those of you who are not familiar with UK geography, is a small little wee, wee island off the, off the south coast of the UK. So I attended that about a year ago and it gave me a real interesting insight into kind of like an aspect of truther norms or truther normality in terms of what Thomas Sheridan calls toxic truthers. I mean, he goes a little bit further than I do, I try to keep it, because I remember I was a little bit of a toxic truther, so I don't normally use such kind of, how should we say, uh, expressive um, language. But what struck me from um, attending this um, sort of uh, truth event, for want of a, a better word, was that most of the speakers were driven by emotion. They were speaking, you know. I mean, some might say they were speaking from the heart, but they did strike me that they were out of balance, and a lot of what they were saying um, was full of dogma, and it did make me, it did it did make me feel quite uncomfortable because I went to this event thinking that I'll, I'll meet some, you know, kind of like-minded people, and don't don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not saying that I was sat there, you know, on my elevated wise cloud far from it but I did sense there was kind of like sort of rarefied atmosphere and I think that is kind of like when you first get onto this idea of exposing and and looking at how the world really works it's quite a shocking thing and it does generate um quite a lot of anger because you want some resolution we want the bad guys to be you know to be to um to be convicted we want the bad guys to actually atone for their actions and um, what I noticed yeah just bringing it back to this convention was there was an almost like a quite a lot of hysteria and so what that meant was to give an example everything about normal society and culture they were kind of alluding to was wrong so we had a woman on there who was talking about the evils of the normal approach to childbirth, whereby we know the approach is to uh, have caesareans very, very quickly, and she was completely dismissive of all aspects of normal child childbirth and how how here in the UK the NHS approached that. Then there was also a solicitor, um, a lawyer, who was you know talking about the evils of the legal system and talking about how um how all of the terminology relates to seafaring terms you know like the dock and all the rest of it but what struck me was you got to be careful that um in a state of anger and high-end emotion that we don't throw um you don't you kind of like we don't throw the baby out with the bath water because there still are elements of the existing system okay there might be like little you know little um tiny little nuggets of gold are quite hard to to find um but they do exist so we don't want to throw the baby out with the bath water and that's what happens when you get consumed by religious type dogma it's this purity it's like no this is the way we do it everything about the the existing system has to be has to be removed it's like well that isn't I mean, if that happened, you'd have anarchy. You can't just completely dispense with one way of living in the system. It would it would have to happen, you know, obviously have to happen um, by degrees. So by extension, it felt like I was at a religious meeting and I could sense the idealism and the religious fervour in the air. And it's kind of like, you're probably well aware of this phrase of to burn the house down. and And, and it's also what you know the madness of um the madness of crowds I can't remember um there's this the sociologist who spoke about it it might have been Eric Hoffer, I don't know. Forgive me on that, you'll have to check that out for yourself guys. Um but yeah that, that verified febrile atmosphere when people are insistent that what they have, you know, we see this in crowds, in riots, we've seen it in the whole um kind of uh Soros inspired BLM movement and Antifa when people are so obsessed um convinced that whatever their their perspective is is the only one sort of thing so and and it can be and and I, yeah and it felt I, I just didn't feel at home in this environment and you know no, don't get me wrong. I was not sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm above these people. I'm at this truer convention, and they haven't reached my stage of development." It really wasn't like that. It was like, ah, okay. Ten years ago, I, I probably would have been with them. You know, I would have, I would have got charged by this sort of energy, and but now, just not sure that it's, um it's a very helpful approach to being to bringing about the kind of the new world that we want. And then I realized while sat there, but, well, we're all. We're all at we're all at different levels, really, and we all have different, you know, different types of histories that's brought us to kind of truth or type, uh, conspiracy type information. And again, forgive me, as I always say on discerning consciousness, um, these are very clunky phrases, but somehow, you know, they they do serve their purpose. Hopefully, to get across some sort of meaning um, in terms of what I'm trying to say. So we might want to keep some. Uh, as I say, in some aspects of the existing system and refine it for the new realities, the new, the new reality, the new, dare I say it, the new, uh, the new um, organic reality. So something else I picked up on was uh, at this uh, truth or truth of convention, was uh, a clear sense of moral indignation, again, which kind of falls within a religious context of right and wrong and good and evil. And again, I'm not saying that's right. Uh, I mean, when I was um, at the height of my angry stage between around about 2005, 2010, um, I I was quite a moral, a moral, a morally indignant person. Is there such a phrase? I felt quite moral about the evils of the world, and I think that is, as I say, an important stage that we all will have to kind of work our way through. And um, you know that takes place at different stages. Some people may stay in there all their li- stay in there uh, all their life, but for me, the one advantage of having quite an intense and di- addictive personality was. I was literally destroying myself with this sort of moral rage and hatred and indignation so eventually I had to come back into balance or I think I would have uh, left this mortal this mortal coil so I think you know by now we're all well aware of the corruption criminality and evil of the system but you know what picked up on that I picked up just lastly on this particular section is from the truth convention, sorry, was um you know how do we respond? It's very easy to point the finger, evil heathen, but we really we are now at a situation where everything out in the world and even within the mainstream narratives is becoming so polarized. We don't want to, we really don't want to. We don't want to add to that polarization because that really, that really isn't isn't really helpful to be honest so i want to move on to another point now in terms of um the truth movement and how i think to some degree i'm not saying completely of course and this is what i've picked up from mainly looking at my timeline um over the years on on facebook and another uh, less well-known social media and um, and things like that on youtube and BitChute and rumble and all the rest of it this religious religiosity that the truth movement can um, can kind of um, feel like is, is, is a part of it and that's this sort of concept of um, human nature that I've picked up in terms of the sort of commonality in terms of people sharing information online in alternative media is that um, those people that tend to say Oh, all the stupid sheep! All look, look at, look at um the last three years of covid. All the the dumbass normies. You know a lot of our friends and families who, have unfortunately, well it's their decision taking the fake covid vax or thought it necessary to to wear the the mask, thought it necessary to queue in shops and, and uh, other retail outlets and in public spaces. You know it's very easy to point the finger again in a kind of very dogmatic way and say they're stupid they're idiots and they're more morons and then by extension i think what often happens is when we're thinking of the concept of human nature is that somehow this um this means by extension that uh human nature is inherently flawed that there's something deeply flawed about human nature and human beings And that is the only way to explain why the sheeple are so easily brainwashed and exploited. So I get to my point (laughs) in a convoluted way. So I picked up on that in terms of kind of aspects of the truth movement that they really. I think what happens is, if you just primarily look at negative sources of information over and over again, it can harden the heart. It can harden the heart, and once you've made a stone of your heart, um, again, it's something that I've fallen into over the years. You can become very, very cynical about what motivates people, and again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong to be cynical. I'm certainly quite cynical about people, etc. But if you take that to its extreme, it can be, um, it can be quite, quite damaging. And the point I want to make is, isn't it ironic? That this perception of human beings being basically flawed and because of our human nature because we're so easily exploited and that basically we're bad and there's not much hope for humanity uh, i'm not sure if you'd agree with me but isn't that the very perspective or the very ideology <laughs> dare i say that the ruling elite used to promote that's their view of us you know, the the, the bottom feeders, uh, the goyim, if you like, um, they don't even see us as human. And that comes from their, their, their uh, kind of very much their atheistic belief of seeing human nature and human beings as being essentially flawed. And as we know, this feeds into the whole idea of Darwinism, the survival of the fittest and the weak will die. And I've, again, I've heard of this sort of again it's 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 a very harsh um, kind of train of thought that people who who are um, dying because of side effects i hate that phrase kind of new orwellian newspaper anyway we'll use it from the fake covid vax and these are evidence of the e- ignorant sheep they're getting what they deserve in some sort of karmic justice that's a very again that's a very very harsh Kind of point of view to take and it's something that i picked up and again isn't that the kind of viewpoint that the ruling elite would push the very types of people that these truthers who adopt this mindset you know would say are causing all all the um the, the trouble I- I- in the world and, and by extension you know you could say well is this an example of you know are they saying that this is religious punishment for the for the heathens who are not pure the pure ones who who knew about you know, the consequences for taking the fake facts and all the other sociological, philosophical um, elef- elephants? elements of that, excuse me. I'm not sure why I'm thinking of elephants. I certainly think the fake COVID vax is certainly the elephant in the room right now with the increase in mortality rates. But again, that's a conversation for another day. But yeah, just lastly on this point, it is easy uh, for truthers or well, the truth movement by extension then to, to believe that, you know, we are the chosen ones. We are the ones who can who can see reality because we've 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 been able to, you know, we've been able to see the truth as it actually is kind of thing. So what I'm going to do is going to um, because I've got quite a lot of information to share and I don't want to overwhelm you in one recording. I think what i'm going to do is i'm going to split this issue the truth movement under the spotlight and i'm going to split it into two episodes so you're listening to this uh part one and then um we'll have part two coming up soon and that will just be further fleshing out um aspects of the kind of religiosity and uh religious aspects of of the truth movement and then i'll just give my kind of uh conclusion at the end of episode two how we can you know be mindful be discerning make sure that we don't fall into this trap which is easily when we become disheartened with the world out there and maybe fall into date states of despair what we can do to you know make sure that it doesn't happen and counteract that so thank you all for listening to part one so um please do tune in to to part two uh once i've uploaded it of course and uh yeah, I will speak to you all again um, very soon. Bye-bye for now.